0: You're listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Morai, a bi-weekly show about how comics, pop culture, and faith affect culture at large. This is part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Greetings comic book nerds and welcome to episode 11 of The Pull Podcast. With me as always is the one and only Hector. Say hello to the lovely people, Hector. Greetings lovely people that that he didn't say hello but that was pretty good. He is is Hector and um, I'm the Silent Bob (laughs) of our duo. He talks a lot for Silent Bob but it's a lot of fun. So today Hector and I will cover what's happening in the world of comics, what's in our polls for this week, and also give you a little bit of a sneak preview of a little movie called Captain Marvel that has graced the screens literally within the last 24 hours of our recording. But hopefully all of you have run out this weekend and already seen this wonderful movie by the time you get to hear this in your ear holes but
1: But no no spoilers
0: we're gonna be really fair so if you didn't make it over the weekend then hopefully we'll have talked you into it by the end of this show but There's a few things that you should know first. As many of you may know, we're not alone on this journey of podcasts and fandom. We're actually part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network, along with two other amazing podcasts. First, we have Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris, where they do interviews with game designers, producers, and creators. And they really get down to the details and the heart of what those creators do and why they do it. And then on the other side of things we have Bubba Matt and Kate where they bring us the free play podcast that covers just about every possible nerdy thing that you can think of it's super fun it's really funny Kate's been doing an awesome job she stepped in and doing some producing over there so no joke it's all really awesome and it's super fun and you'll learn lots of crazy nerdy things from us There's so much beard, I mean seriously, if you've seen pictures of us or you should, there's so many beards at Love Thy Nerd and they're truly glorious. So much so that we even have a live show that usually is on Fridays that is from Bubba and Matt called Beard Bros. And they talk about two games usually each week that kind of is something interesting that they're into or maybe they didn't think was so hot. But it gives us an opportunity to kind of dive into the world of nerd just across the spectrum. So you can check all of us out at lovethynerd.com and find out what other awesome content is there as well. Tons of articles, reviews, just tons of nerdy stuff. So now on to Oblivion. Let's get on with the show. So who's our celebrity guest this week? (laughs) Uh, I think it's you, Hector, as seen as on Swamp Thing. No, we can't.
1: We can't. We can't have like Kevin Eastman and then like go to us again. All
0: that's that's that's, a, that's on me um but you know keep your ears out we hope to be having more interviews in the near term we hope you did enjoy our conversation with kevin kevin enjoyed being with us um hector i think you said you're you're hoping to see him hopefully in the near future
1: yeah there's a he's at a show a couple hours from me this weekend and i'm gonna go take him a little thank you gift basket michael scott style from a. The pull list podcast and tell him thank that's gonna be so, great yeah. so
0: Hector's gonna send all of our love and all of the joy that we had in being able to chat with him so we're looking forward we'll be with you in spirit Hector so enjoy that so I think the most important thing for this week now is to tell the nerds what's in the news and there's kind of, a lot of layout, lots of stuff and we're a high production podcast so Hector does all of our sound effects
1: which I you know, I do actually DJ, so I could I could step this up and, you know, bring some sound effects and
0: stuff in here. <laughs> so we're here, so we're ready
1: for- Wait, wait, no, no, for real though, uh, MC loud noises for all your DJ and You music. heard it
0: here. Hector has many personalities <laughs> and many, many of those side hustles, but he kills all of them.
1: My side hustles have side <laughs> hustles.
0: So that's what we're about here on the podcast the pull list podcast. See, I couldn't even say that. I almost had podcast podcast, but yeah. So lots of comic book news this week. Um, what's some stuff that kind of jumped out at you, Hector? Um, just in the news front,
1: uh, I was pretty impressed with the results from umbrella Academy's uh, initial jaunt on Netflix, uh, that it was one of their highest streamed things, period. Um, that it actually, uh, was in line with or surpassing stranger things as far as like demand and like the number of people watching. So that's that's, pretty cool. That's not
0: nothing. And even for folks that weren't necessarily into the comic, it seems like it reached a fairly broad audience. Now granted, um, for those that may not know umbrella Academy is a comic series at dark Horse um, that Gerard way, um, has been writing. And so he was involved a bit with this show as well. So that tends to draw some folks. Some people really appreciate Gerard for his music from his days in rock and doing My Chemical Romance and all that. So his fan base is so broad, I'm not super surprised, but they took a really weird comic and they've made it pretty, it's a fascinating watch to me. And it's pretty, you can kind of track what's going on, which to be fair, this is a super weird comic, folks, <laughs> um, that I, I'm impressed at how it's translated so far. And for me, I think one of
1: the things that uh, appealed to me, as well as a lot of uh, other, you know, to the muggles of the world <laughs> that um, that haven't read this book, um, it is nice to be able to go into something without having to have a lot of prior knowledge, because like even even with like your standard like, Spider-Man stuff or Defenders or um, Arrow or things like that, even if you don't read or watch it on the regular or things like that, there's this overall feeling that you're supposed to already know this stuff or some of it or that it's cultural and that it's so long existing that it comes with a prerequisite knowledge. Mm. Um, and I feel like that that's not there with Umbrella Academy because it is such a fresh creation. I mean, it's old, but it's not old. Right. No, that's
0: that's fair. It
1: it doesn't come with decades of, you know, backstory that it's something still fresh enough that uh, you can still feel like you're not missing out by jumping on on the Netflix series.
0: And just to warn some folks, this definitely will potentially have a Game of Thrones issue rather quickly as a result of that there's only two collected editions out of two separate story arcs. And the first season is most of the first one. Um, And the third one is in single issue comics right now, currently unfolding called Hotel Oblivion. Um, So it's it's possible depending on their release schedule and everything, that they catch up rather quickly to real time. But like you said, you don't feel the need to... I'm hoping, and I haven't heard a lot of folks yet say, but I'm hoping it'll inspire some people to go back and read the content. Because it was so easy to access in this format, so it's pretty exciting.
1: Well, that's 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 how I am. Like uh, I, you know, I'm always looking for the next read beyond the week to week stuff, and I've definitely thought about going back and reading it. And so, yeah, I I think that's well done, Netflix. Well done, Gerard Way, and everyone else. That sometimes it takes that. No, I I think you know, an additional thing to jumpstart, which is, I think, what you hope for. You know, it's I think what Walmart wanted with their books and what everybody else you you want to do that thing that sparks readers. No,
0: absolutely. So, Netflix, uh Gerard and everyone out there. I I think Golf, golf Clap. Yeah, Golf Clap. Huh. It's great. No, it's good. it's good. Yep, it's a good open. Um you did mention another show uh in your string there though that unfortunately uh, is going the other direction uh if you have not heard cw's arrow is going to find its way into the end of their existence in season 10 that um the timing seems interesting i don't know if you've read some of this or if you've heard some of this hector but it's a shortened series and by everybody's best estimation arrow is going to end going into that year's cw's crossover which is Crisis. So there's a lot of thoughts on what that might possibly mean. So we'll see. You never know. It could be the misdirect that we're all looking for, but um for those that are unindoctrinated to DC's Crisis World, usually lots of people die. <laughs> um and Crisis on Infinite Earth is literally the story of By the way, yeah, just a quick correction
1: it. that's going into season eight.
0: Ah uh-oh. not ten. I I'm sorry. I inter I um, interneted wrong.
1: Um we're uh we're currently in season seven, and the the upcoming season will be season eight.
0: That is very good. Unfortunately for me, and some people can take my nerd card. It was probably around season five. I just couldn't. Oh no! I really, I really uh, enjoyed uh, Arrow of- when it started, but it it started to lose me. So I'm this is me saying I'm kind of surprised it lasts this long. But here we are.
1: Well. Well, you got to look at the CW and the way they do things. They are the opposite of Fox. That's true. That they, Fox will pull something just out of like a nervous twitch. CW, you literally have to, you know, go through Congress to get a show canceled over there. Um, That they will hold on to anything. It's basically like the way, you know, apps treat customers that once we get you to download our app you're not going to go through the trouble to uninstall it (laughs) and because why some of y'all still have flappy bird on your phone and you've never played it um cw once they get their hooks into a show they will outlast things but then again i say that and constantine
0: yeah um, and constantine got the fox treatment so constant
1: didn't get the fox stream. me yeah but i mean we're i mean, literally we're on season like 93 of supernatural so i'm not <laughs> surprised that it's made it this far um but no i'm i'm with you the Arrowverse really started that's the thing though they are powerful in the fact they created a verse yep they they are the first tv superhero facet that created their own universe and that actually sustained and many people view the flash as better than arrow currently but the flash isn't exactly on its A game either
0: no i, I agree um, that i feel like they might have gotten
1: arrow after yep, season 3 arrow after season 3 started going down and then i feel like flash season 1 was about as good as you can get and then you know i haven't you know really i do this thing in my area there's uh the local cw station in charlotte north oh, carolina right. has a talk show called super chat. It used to be flash chat and arrow chat and all these other things, but they have a thing where they bring on local nerd authorities and celebrities air quotes to um, discuss what's going on in CW's thing. And, you know, we've been doing this for a while and it went from (laughs) weekly to once a month. And, you know, we don't even know if the shows are continuing because there has been a steady decline in the opinion, but I haven't seen these shows really pull out, go swinging, and be successful in a while. I think they just keep it going for the fans. And because they know eventually there's money in syndication, there's money in how they sell it out later. But I mean, Arrow started something solid. I mean, how many shows do we have? We've got uh, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I know that Black Lightning's not technically the same but is it. it? They, is they isn't, and them then yet. we to, So we'll see. They haven't crossed them yet, but we also migrated Supergirl into yep. the mix. Constantine's been involved. I mean, good job on creating something. And let's be fair, Arrow preceded and outlasted the entire Netflix Marvel hero run.
0: Oh, we're gonna get all kinds of comments now. See what? See what you no, did? But, no, but th- you're not. But you're no, but not think wrong. About it. it It's Arrow on
1: its own started and outlasted everything netflix did with
0: marvel no i i think i've said it from the beginning that the one thing that's pretty impressive about the cw's work and dc's work there is that dc pretty much nailed by the numbers the small screen where they struggled on the big screen marvel crushed the big screen did pretty well on the small screen but still comes with plenty of well i won't say disdain but people that are hey this one thing was good but not necessarily all of it it's really fascinating to see the inverse of the two companies and i've always kind of held that it's like oh well why do you hate dc so much i'm like well i don't it's just they're better on tv or why do you hate marvel netflix so much i was like well i don't but their movies are great so i yeah on on the flip side though i will
1: say netflix's quality not just of i know you know I know they've got more, you know, whether you want to say they've got more money or not, because Netflix will literally fund things extremely well. Um, I I feel like the three seasons of Daredevil were better than all of it. No, that's definitely true. <laughs> um, now on, you know, I'm not going to say that's true for like season two of Jessica Jones or even season three of Luke Cage. Um, no. You know, wait, did see Luke Cage of season three uh-uh. or just season
0: uh-uh. two? Jessica Jones is going to be the one that gets a three?
1: Okay. Yeah. That's the thing, like I didn't like the way Luke Cage season two ended, but you know, they've and that one season of Defenders as bad as it was was like, you know, it was better than Legends of Tomorrow. Maybe? Sure. So let's But either way, we're we're seeing a changing of the tide of where these things are starting to wrap yep. up. No and th- shut down. I think shop. that's
0: absolutely true. So let's see, what else do we have in the grab bag of news? Uh a few things. Uh ah, this is interesting. Uh, speaking of television, The Orville, uh, Fox's and Seth MacFarlane's uh, not Star Trek The Next Generation show, um, but possibly the best Star Trek The Next Generation show on television right now. Um, and I want to apologize for that. I've been really impressed by The Orville. I don't remember if we've talked about it before or not, but Dark Horse is giving them a four part mini. So they're going to tell two stories in four issues, so two issues a piece, and that's going to start in July. So, if you're really enjoying the Orville on the big screen, the comic book iteration will be flying into your local comic shops about mid-July. Have you been watching the Orville? You enjoy that at all?
1: I haven't. <laughs> um, I, I I've been silently appreciating you appreciating it,
0: but that's about where I'm at. That's in life. fair. Um, um, if you're if you're not sure if it's worth your time and you're not sure where Seth took the show, I expected it to be considerably more um family guy etc and it's not it's actually really fair there is some wild stuff going on but it literally is point it's why I say it's the best the next generation on tv right now because that is clearly Seth's love letter to Star Trek and it's really kind of neat how he's been doing it that it has all those feels with a handful of his typical humor but not as drenched as I expected it to be so it's been fun
1: speaking of love letters to your fandoms, (laughs) um, did you (laughs) got those for days? Did you happen to see Topher Grace's star Wars new montage? No. Okay. So if you're, if you know, this is, I know this is a subculture of some subcultures, but Topher Grace, uh, you know, the dude from that seventies show, also known as the not so awesome venom Uh. that previously preceded the current, not so awesome venom. Um, I like Tom Hardy's Venom, though, but I digress. Um, Topher Grace has a passion project that he frequently does where he edits Star Wars movies to make them better. Go on. And uh, and you can find these like on YouTube or one of his – or not usually they get taken down. But what he would do is he would edit entire Star Wars trilogies into one movie or into segments and – uh, show them for screenings for actors and his friends in his home in theaters um, He did one for the original or not for the original but for the trilogy the prequel trilogy episodes one through three where he edited it down into one what? movie and it became and it was considered by many to be uh, the best version of the prequels possible but uh he recently took the time to edit and master a five minute, depiction of the entire franchise and i'm talking including solo and rogue one that is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen as a star wars fan like it's well done it's all encompassing it's something i would expect to see like at star wars celebration like (laughs) so it's really good it's really fun so uh if you you if you do the googles or the facebook's or look it up uh topher grace's new star wars video uh you know, it's newsworthy. It's it really legitimately was if you just sit back and watch five minutes, you get basically the heart of all of the movies in a five minute window. And it's extreme. I weird. already have it queued so. up, but
0: we'll definitely try to make sure that makes it into the show notes so everyone could just bask in its glory, um, because that's that's quite possibly the best news we could have provided this week. Um <laughs> and i mean cuz just to kind of r- round out the rest of the news like the rest of the news is kind of down again that um dc's up to canceling more collected editions and we we've literally brought that up i think for the last 3 episodes yeah three weeks. and yeah. dc's like well it's part of the new strategy which if folks didn't hear it Comics Pro uh, a few weeks ago, it got leaked out that DC said they were going to cull some of their numbers and then DC said, well, that's not quite what we meant. Um, we're just we're getting back to basics and we're focusing on comics, which is comic book industry for there's probably something coming soon, because that's what led to New 52, that's what led to rebirth, it's what led to Marvel legacy, it's what led to Marvel not legacy, it's led to Marvel whatever it is we're calling reality now. So it's just weird. Um, to the point of it's not just the hardcover collected. There, there's a couple like regular trades in there that hit this week's list. So everyone's just kind of scratching their head. Um, and Doomsday Clock number ten. We just got number nine. We're certainly going to talk about that before this episode's over. Uh, has already slid two weeks again. So it's it's really hard when you get really great creative teams working on longer books because the schedules just slide. It's the nature of the industry, but.
1: I can honestly say, though, after reading 9, I understand why it took some sure. time. <laughs>
0: there, there's a lot <laughs> going on in Doomsday Clock, so I, I want it to be right. I want it to be enjoyable, and so far, so good. I, I can wait. Um, I think the only other thing that'll be good for folks, we can mention it again just before it happens, but Detective Comics 999 just recently came out, which means we now are in the official waiting period for Detective Comics 1000 which will drop on March 27th. So if you want to collect, I think they're over 30 something um, variant covers right now. I think I heard mid thirties last, but who knows? Because Batman 50 had like more than that, that if you love you some variant covers and some cool stuff, there should be some neat stuff coming out towards the end of the month. And well, that's pretty much the news, my friends. So tell us what we missed or what you found interesting by commenting on this or by joining us in the love Thy nerd Facebook community. So now we transition to today's main event. Hector is a much better nerd than I am and was right there for the very first (laughs) showing. Hector puts me to shame when it comes to getting to movies. I'm like, I'm going to see it tonight. Hector's like, bro. Um, Some weeks it's like, bro, I got two viewings in before you got there. And it's like, okay, cool. I got it. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. But Hector made it to Captain Marvel, and I wanted to give him a little bit of time this week to tell us his initial thoughts. No spoilers. We're going to be fair, but Hector. So, what'd you think right off the top? My
1: like my first statement, and I, I just made a little graphic of it. My first statement when I watched it uh, coming out, and keep in mind, I have three daughters that are you know. As I mean, this actually was a comment in the LTN community. Was uh, you know, my hype train runs on my daughter's tracks. <laughs> so like when my three when my three daughters are excited, it's hard to get me unexcited about something. So I had three girls that watched this thing and had a flipping blast. But uh, my first thought and statement when watching it was like, I don't know how you make a better Marvel movie than
0: that. That that's a pretty um, high bar because when I saw you post that, I was like, whoa. So yeah,
1: because you know me, like I'm I'm a DC fanboy at heart. So like to just say Marvel killed it; they killed it. Um, And I'll give you my two negatives up front. My straight up, my only two negatives that I uh, felt. Here's the first: Scrolls' battle cry sounds like Chewbacca. Oh, like it's straight. uh, Like I mean, it's like Disney um, (laughs) with like when when the scrolls get angry like in one of the early scenes in the movie it straight up sounded like Chewbacca and i couldn't deal with that i was literally i was giggling my 5 year old's like why does he sound like chewbacca dad i'm like i don't know baby um uh so, i'm just uh, going to i'm just going to have
0: chewbacca in my head now for the rest of the evening thank you for that
1: um but then the other thing is like there were sometimes the the buddy cop uh comedic vibe between fury and uh marvel felt a little authentic unauthentic fake i don't know um whereas like you're they're they're laughing together i'm like I, I don't think this is that funny but whatever i mean that's if those are the only complaints in it uh there's no, that that's i pretty think
0: good but could you chalk it up too? Cause this is also supposed to be the most nineties movie that ever did nineties. So do you think maybe that negative was just a force of maybe the trope of really terrible nineties buddy cop stuff? Or do you think it was just, it fell flat?
1: I could say it could be a solid mix of both because they definitely were going for some nineties vibe. Um, They definitely, and I I hadn't put that thought together, but they were definitely going for some nineties vibe. um, And they succeeded in that. Um, There was, a lot that felt like a good 90s movie yes so, that
0: makes me i'll take that yeah, to that effect. makes me happy especially since i saw the 1990s like geo city website they pushed out for promotion um because yeah i was like yeah your marketing is on point for this i mean they they hit the blockbuster in the trailer and stuff i my body is ready for this movie um yeah now- the, the one thing that, you know, almost
1: anybody I've heard that's watched it said is that the soundtrack is like the best thing because it is straight up. Uh, it's it's what I was listening to in high school, which is what I don't think why it, it didn't necessarily impress me, probably because I'm still listening to that stuff. So the fact that it's nostalgic, I'm like, you're insulting me. Shut up. Um, this is I classic like, rock. What are you telling me? <laughs> This isn't classic rock. These things are still in my mixtapes. But I mean, when you when you go from Nirvana to No Doubt to TLC to like, I mean, it's it's legitimately the best 90s mixtape you could pick up. Wow. Um, Which, but by the way, I'm going to go ahead and buy that while we're talking. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Amazon over here. Um, But no, the soundtrack was fantastic the one thought that i had going into this um that i knew i was going to feel this way when i came out of it was uh it's what green lantern should have been
0: without the green terrible cgi right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but as like i said it's what it okay, should have been that's noted um like this movie is what i think the entire world needed Gr- green lantern to be and i personally believe if green lantern could have pulled this movie off the DCEU would have started a long time ago and be in a better place, but obviously they didn't and couldn't pull that off. So that didn't Also, happen. if they
0: did, we um, probably didn't get Deadpool in the way we did. So, you know, I think I'm okay.
1: <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, uh, if i I'll back to news for a second, I don't know if you saw and Obviously, this is the internet and it could be wrong. But that, uh, you know, I read a statement that Fox is planning to recast everyone or not Fox, Disney is planning to recast everyone except Deadpool.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: So that Ryan Reynolds will survive the Thanos snap of Disney's budget. Um, so that that's a thing.
0: That was good. Um, I, obviously, I enjoyed that, internet, th- that Deadpool interlude. Very good. Very good.
1: There you go. Moving on. Um. But no, it was the best. It was the best Green Lantern movie I'd ever seen. In the fact, it they nailed the whole intergalactic patrol vibe, um, the whole space cop deal. I mean, that's that's what I wanted a Green Lantern movie to be. Um, and I, that's what I wanted to be a Green Lantern movie to be. Before I knew it, I didn't know I wanted this to be the right Green Lantern movie until I saw this, and then I'm like, oh, well, that's what that should have been. Um, so that was great. Um, I mean, the, the supporting cast was really strong. Uh, there is definitely a lot of throwbacks in there for uh, long-term Marvel fans. If you're a Guardians fan, this was great. Um, just because you get to see a lot of Guardians stuff in context. This makes Guardians of the Galaxy much more understandable and relatable. When you're dealing with the Kree and things with Ronan the Accuser, it makes a lot more sense now because if you didn't have a solid knowledge base of the Kree or Ronin when you watched Guardians and you just thought he was a generic Steppenwolf big bad, then now you're like, oh, context. A ton, a ton get, of context. A ton of context. So that's the thing. that It gives you a lot of context with it. Um, you get to see characters you know, in a, a way that you might not have before. Um, it really sets up what we get in Avengers. Um I will say this, you know, without spoilers, there are two post-credit scenes. Noise. So obviously, I mean, if you're if you're eleven years deep in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you're leaving before the credits, you know, stop, just stop. Don't don't do that. Um, I am pretty angry with my local movie theater. I try and go to my local movie theater, which is a small town, and it's a. Not quality theater. It's you know, it, it's it's run down and fallen apart in a lot of ways. But I try and support my local town. They cut the movie off.
0: What?
1: Uh, before the did anybody lose
0: their flipping mind like in the moment? I,
1: I did, <laughs> and you know, literally because there's only like two employees. They had, they just switched the projector off and started sweeping. <gasps> and um, what? <laughs> And so like literally you had people immediately pull out their phones and start searching for post-credit scenes, and I had some folks just tell me what the second one was. Um but anyway, yeah, there are important things. And I'll say this, uh, you know, Stanley's Cameo and this one, which for the record, there's a Stanley Cameo. I don't that's it's a Marvel movie. I don't think right. that's a spoiler. Um uh Stanley's Cameo is not only beautiful and perfect, it breaks the fourth wall. Like uh It breaks the fourth wall and that makes me really happy. So um, that made, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I had warm fuzzies uh, with Stan's cameo. It's not like a spider verse that made me want to cry. Um, This is like, ha ha, gotcha. It was good. So overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, a lot of the initial concern was that Brie didn't have a lot of expression um there there were times it was she was very very expressive and she was very funny in a lot of what she did and i don't know about you but maybe it's just me when i look at brie larson as captain marvel especially with her hair styling i see a young leslie nope (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe
0: maybe a little bit i see where you're coming from on that one
1: I mean, like there she she reminds me of a young Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation. So there are a lot of times, especially when she's delivering something comedic, that I'm I'm seeing Leslie Nope in a superhero outfit. And that's in no way a negative statement. No. Because you know, love me some Leslie. No, that's but great. like that's just it, it made me giggle a little bit more because she reminded me so her comedic delivery is very Leslie Nope. Well, um I-
0: I think the thing that a lot of people are probably, I mean, obviously we're, we're not going to camp out here because the internet's doing it for us. And we want to be on the other side of this conversation that so many folks have been so negative about Brie being chosen and everything. But even from the trailers that I've seen so far, I'm like, right. But if you know anything about captain Marvel, Carol Danvers is a complicated person, just regardless of her really complicated origin story that as that military officer, she was always um, shown and depicted in comics as being, you know, straight-laced, straight-edged. So I kind of expect the comedy to be slightly awkward, and but it's part of who that person is. So I, I mean, fine, haters going to hate, but I'm glad to hear that the movie definitely delivered above and beyond it. Yeah, at least your expectations, and I know many others. There's been a ton of positive so far, so I'm looking forward. I I haven't done IMAX in forever, and I sprung for it this time. And so my my wife,
1: I, I think it's a, it's a worthy. Yeah, no, my
0: my wife is Captain Marvel is her jam. Um, so she's like, didn't she make a like an oh, outfit? Yeah, she's for... she has a Captain Marvel that she did from a few years ago, and she's still figuring out ways to upgrade it. And she does iterations, so that's her cosplay nerddom. But Um, yeah, like an anniversary present a few years ago is I have an Avenging Spider-Man number nine, 9.8 CGC, you know, certified um, that I got it before that book went crazy bonkers because that's Carol when she first takes up the mantle as Captain Marvel. And for folks that are really interested in knowing the background of this character, which is super complicated and we didn't get into today, there is a great article in the LTN community, which we'll also drop in the, show notes for this on the full history of captain marvel including all the way back to that other guy named captain marvel and no not the one in the marvel universe but that dude named shazam so comics are complicated right <laughs> exactly. so i i'm really happy to hear that it has the hector stamp of approval and even more so that it has the um hector horde of approval that um your girls really thought it was amazing. Like mind blown through the whole thing. Are they still bouncing off the walls?
1: Um, well, I like tonight uh, I've got a event that I have to go to and they wanted to know if their babysitter can take them to go watch it again. So I mean, they're, yep, they're on that level. Um, so I'd say so. Yeah, that yeah.
0: sounds about right. So anything else that we absolutely need to know about Captain Marvel, if we haven't made it out, what, why do we have to see this movie, Hector? Personally, for
1: me, the reason I think I enjoyed it so much is because, I mean, it's it's very much similar to uh, what we talked about with uh, Umbrella Academy, is that you know while she is a long-standing character for most of my life, uh, Carol Danvers was just the person Rogue stole her powers from. Yep. Um, like literally growing up with X Men the animated series, and up until you know the last decade, Carol didn't carry a lot of weight um in the mcu and so i don't have you know 38 years of backlog stories in my mind about this and so like it was it was just really fresh to just go in and experience it and you know to see like i think it's here's here's the best way to say it um for the last 10 years we've been watching everything else build up and stack on top of each other Like, you needed the back knowledge of Iron Man and Hulk and Avengers. You needed all the back knowledge. It was nice to be able to go in and experience this without having to have a lot of knowledge. Like, so honestly, I think in a lot of ways, this would be a dope jumping on point for someone who hasn't watched 11 years worth of Marvel movies.
0: That's... That's awesome, Man. especially given that it's literally we we kind of know that it's that quasi setting up point for probably what comes after the next Avengers movie. There's been those rumors that these yeah,
1: it's 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 the kickstart of Phase Four. I get that. Yep. and that and that was honestly my thought. Um, by the time you make it to the first post post-credits scene, I'm like, I'd be okay with this being the next phase. That's like, awesome. Um, if, if 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 this is where the next phase of Marvel goes, I'm good.
0: You heard it here first, so check out Captain Marvel if you haven't. I will have some thoughts probably by by next episode, and so looking forward to that. So, man, Captain Marvel. So let's jump to one of our favorite parts of the show, then, and that's you know the comics we've been reading. We've been talking about lots of comics that have done stuff on the small screen, the big screen. So we kind of been all over this week, but that's awesome because that's the beauty of comics. Um, we got two weeks behind us a fair number of comics came out in that time period some big hitter stuff so Hector uh what did you pull over the last two weeks all
1: right so some big ones that I pulled um would be first off uh want to hit Detective Comics 999 um finished up a story arc that we've been seeing and uh just you know it's it's the curtain bow before the issue 1000. And it's one of these stories that, uh, I, I, I didn't love because of the ending, just because I feel like it was like six issues of work for no outcome. Mm. And, uh, just to just say that without, you know, throwing too many spoilers in case you do pick up the arc, but you know, it's just one of those things. If I'm reading something and it doesn't play any, effect into the character or the direction of the story I feel a little bit wrong um, so I mean it was, and it was my same complaint with the Marvel Knights thing uh, the recent Marvel Knights thing is just like okay cool good talk this did or didn't happen whatever um, so you know that was that was the thing for me I've really really enjoyed the price the four issue crossover with Batman the Flash it's been so um, good. it's been so good and I think that's the thing is like I've not seen anyone on the hero front cross swords with Batman emotionally or verbally the way that I've seen flash do it. And where I feel like this is a good dialogue Um, where with Tom King, he has a good way of endearing stories with like a Superman and wonder woman and things like that, where I've seen him do a lot of stuff. This one where I feel like he cuts deep where Tom King is a love letter to Batman This has been a critical analysis of who Batman is. And it's done really well over the story. I mean, obviously, it's a critical analysis of Flash as well. But I feel like there's a little more Flash love and a little more Batman criticism Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's me with that. Uh, That's been really good. Uh, We got some more Firefly in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we did. uh, How'd you feel about that? feels like we're kind of wrapping up that first arc or probably one more issue.
1: It feels like we're kind of wrapping up the first arc or issue, but I think um, my initial praise and my initial love for this series was the fact that it felt like Firefly again. And I feel like we're losing that.
0: It did feel a little disjointed the last two issues, I would tend to agree. There were a few moments that I'm like, yep, right there. Like some of the banter with uh, Wash in this issue, I was like, "Yep, that feels right." Um, Jane being Jane there was being the hot there's good book in Jane yeah, and yeah, no. Stuff. And but I kind of agree. I was like, "But what? What are we doing? Don't don't let me down, Greg. Don't let me down. We're really it, it, <laughs> bring us back."
1: <laughs> and you said the last two issues. We're only on right. four issues, so literally, you're saying half
0: the story has felt. Don't, don't, this don't joint make game. me feel bad about this any more than I already do. <laughs> um i picked up
1: Ronan island
0: also what did you think i picked that up as well because i thought it looked really cool
1: i like ninjas it looked like kubo i'm down um you know it's a post it's like an apocalyptic sort of zombie story in not feudal japan but it felt like it um like early japan era uh you've got the the privileged uh, regal Boy versus the Slum Girl and they're both training to be samurai and all of a sudden there's an apocalypse ta da um I enjoyed it I will I will pick issue 2 up I will see how it goes but that was solid I did enjoy that Unnatural uh it finished its second arc and just like the beauty of what they've done with that story again Unnatural is a very mature book um and the content is sketch so Be warned before you just go running and picking that up. Um, But they, that's what the thing I like about the story she's telling and what she's writing is that every time you think you're at a place where you know what's going on or it's safe to say, okay, this is where we're at. They just ratchet it up a notch and they just crank it up and it just gets a little more powerful and a little more intense. So that's been fun but then again there are still people that look at the art because here's the thing the art can be a bit misleading and uh as uh one of my cosplay friends says it just looks like furry
0: porn and unfortunately (laughs) in the industry um that's kind of been the tongue-in-cheek uh joke over this book which like we've said, because it is so, it is a mature book, um, and a lot of the way it was initially marketed would have led you to believe that, which is why I almost didn't read it at all. Um, yeah, and that's why you've heard Hector and I say there's there's an interesting and pretty amazing story here, but it is bathed in adult content. But it actually becomes almost less so the more we're getting to wrapping but- up the story, which is good.
1: But the the part the hard part is the marketing and the covers still sell yep. it
0: that way, and especially if you see all, um, the, all the variant that a bunch variants, of people are yeah. commissioning variants that yep pretty much fuel that. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I just feel that's that's counterproductive to what they're doing. Um, Domino just dropped a new book, and you know I, I love me some Gail Simone Domino. I was excited um, to see
0: that Gail was going to be writing that because at first I was like, oh no, we're already spinning out of this. Who what random writer t- team did they throw at this? So I, I'm glad that, that Gail is writing that as well. But yeah, it hit me because I didn't pick it up and I'm curious.
1: Um basically they take- Okay, the premise for Domino's first arc was that it was her and her two best friends, um, being gal pals and fighting crime, sort of, and being mercenaries. And it was honestly one of the most enduring or endearing and sweet and beautiful and funny books I picked up. Um, I, I really have a lot of love for the first run of Gail Simone's Domino. Now it's turning into a full uh squad book, like a full Avengers level right. team of female heroes and anti-heroes. Um Domino, uh Diamondback, and uh her in her cowgirl home homie. Have a uh, now picked up a uh, a Wakandan outcast, like a royal Wakandan outcast, uh, who is joining their team. Who has like a whole bear thing going on. Um, we pick up a Russian, uh, maybe Russian, I don't, no Korean, a Korean spy lady. I want to say her name was Silver Fox, and I don't know if she's in a pre-existing character. Um, I didn't research her. Um, I just know this was the first time I remember seeing her. Um, but then the big addition to the team is that Black Widow is on the team now. Interesting. And that's really fun. And you also get Nina slash Domino uh, geeking out over the fact that Black Canary is on her team. Um, and she thought Black Canary was hiring her to do a job. And she's like, no, I want on your team. And that's that was fun. It was a good It was a good first outing. Um, I miss some of the intimacy of just the little three-girl click, but I think this is going to play out to be a good book. Um, And we're also getting uh, Immortal Hulk coming off of its first 13 issues. And uh, for me, that first 13 issues of Hulk, I would buy that junk in hardcover and put it on my coffee table because it was beautiful and it was really well told. It had a lot of spiritual aspects um, to it. And it was really encouraging. This this is the beginning of a new arc, and I'm not as sold on this arc as I was on the previous, but I'm also not quitting it. So you know that that's me. Cool. Plus, you know, he-
0: heroes. You can talk about that. What else you got? What All about? Right. You? Well, well, there's heroes in right, Christ, so too. I'll, yeah, I'll fill uh-huh. in but, yeah, you some of it? the some of the gaps here as we. Find our way into the end of episode 11 here. So, for me this week, I did pick up the Star Wars uh, Vader Dark Visions number one because it said Star Wars and Darth Vader on the cover, and they're just doing great. Um, it's another one shot, which kind of bummed me out that I- I'm glad that they're telling these little pieces of stories that are kind of scattered throughout all of the continuity they have the pull from, but. I'm, I'm ready for more story. It was still pretty fun. It was interesting. Um, so if you've been following star Wars and Vader and all that good stuff, you definitely should at least give it a look to see what they did there. Cause it, it was interesting. It didn't end up in a place that I fully expected. Um, it was as complicated as the character that Darth Vader is himself. Uh, I also finished off cemetery beach, uh, which is a Warren Ellis book that's been going on. It was only a seven part. It, says the end, but they technically left it in a spot that that story could continue. So I'll be curious to see if that gets picked up to keep telling the story or if this is just Warren Ellis's way of admitting it's going to be another seven years until he finishes the backside of this because for anyone who's a fan of Warren Ellis, they should be used to by now. Um, he kicks off really great stories, tells crazy sci-fi stories that are super awesome in my mind. They can be hyper violent, but he tells he's got that good wit balance with very good storytelling. I'm still waiting for part 3 of Trees and that's more than 5 years now I feel like. There's other stories he's written. What? Oh yeah. Um yeah, Jeez. it's it's kind of a Warren Ellis thing. Um thankfully, The Wild Storm has kept him on track, but I think that was always on rails to be the 24 issues and then and then see so there's that. But Cemetery Beach was really fun. It's really difficult to describe, but it is a sci-fi romp that is pretty, it's visually stunning. There's almost more visual storytelling than narrative, which I really enjoy when a comic does that well. Um, the other okay. book I picked up, I mentioned this last time is Oberon, uh Aftershock book. It's a fantasy book that's kind of going on. I expected a little more pickup on the background of what this story was telling me after issue one. So Issue three is going to be my deciding point, I think, for that story. Um, Die number four came out in the last two weeks, and Die just continues to be visually stunning. And it's interesting to be in the middle of a D and D story where there's the fantasy world aspect, but this one's also doing the fact that these people are real people that are stuck in a fantasy world. Um, so this issue, actually, if have you did you read this one yet? die number four so number four starts crossing the two worlds as part of them being stuck and figuring out how they get out so i won't spoil beyond that but there's they kind of give us a little background of each of the party members again but it's a cross of real world information with their fantasy world and it's kind of mind-bending but this story is still really cool with what they're doing in terms of that and then of course for me i'm reading daredevil so I mentioned that the end of Daredevil one under Chip Zdarsky ended in a bonkers place. Um, issue two ended in an equally bonkers place, but for different reasons. Um, I will not. Spo- okay. I will not spoil either of these issues at this point because both of the endings were kind of shocking in and of themselves. But I'm really excited that this Daredevil story is a great continuation of what Sewell did. And all of that stuff still matters. And it very clearly matters because they're pulling it forward. Um, so just because it says number one and number two, I'm excited that this story, it it started with a new team, but we're definitely still telling the same story. But the stakes are almost a thousand percent higher than they were even three issues ago. So love, okay. continue wow. to love me some Daredevil. And they're going to some really interesting places. So, I hate you saying this because I'm I'm
1: already seeing myself going back to buy it because I haven't read these yet. Now I feel like I'm going to, so stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, one, one quick note before you hit anything else. Um, I I really enjoyed the domino one thing in domino this week. This is the first time, at least in Gail's run, where she specifically calls herself a believer. Oh, interesting. Like actual like God believer. um, She has a question. like, do you think God is responsible for this? Someone says they're an atheist and she has a, a thought bubble. Well, coming or being the fact that I'm a believer, this stings a little bit like she straight up refers to herself as a believer. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty that's it, go on.
0: Jesus nerd card right there. Got excited for me. Right? So good. So the last two, and we don't have a lot of time to camp out here but doomsday clock number nine and heroes in crisis six so that's right dc was like here we're gonna give you two of the heaviest events that are going on right now in two weeks back to back and it i mean doomsday clock was just bonkers um doomsday clock was literally everything it needed to that's be that's
1: fair um, with it with the amount of wait time that we've had and the slow progression cuz it dude it feels like marionette and the mime were years ago years like i feel like that was a lifetime ago and we're just now getting to where we're at so like it feels like we're finally hitting something
0: yeah no exactly it's pretty amazing so that's it's been great um if you if you've
1: been on the fence about doomsday clock and you've made it this far i promise pick up this issue and you'll keep going yeah no but it's it's very gratifying all across the board of what it is and what it's doing. So
0: very much so. So we've been talking ad nauseum about Doomsday Clock. It's worth it. The entire fate of the DC universe does rest somewhere in there, and in Heroes in Crisis, which is kind of mind bending. Um, so so Heroes in Crisis six. Where are they taking us, Hector? I be- <laughs> I feel like we're getting somewhere,
1: but like one of the, the solicits or things I heard was that in this past issue, we were going to see
0: who the actual killer was. I'm correct in saying that, right? I don't know if it was six. I think it's, well, it ends at nine, right? I forget. Yeah. It's it's
1: soon. I, I saw a solicit or a post or something that said we would find out the actual killer in issue six, if I'm remembering that correctly. Nope. And if that's uh, number, the case, it's, it's number eight. Number eight okay so just
0: before the end
1: so we're still seeing some more plot twists and turns and stuff like that but uh you get a lot of good harley and ivy time in this and um uh for those of you who are fans or not fans of the harley joker relationship and uh how toxic and destructive it can be this is a good story for you just because uh you know at sanctuary, you have the ability to live out and play through your drama and work through your issues, and uh, Harley and Ivy do that in a very entertaining and constructive way. Um, so there was a lot with that that really stood out. No,
0: this. What about for you? What,
1: what hit? I think you with that, that was
0: part of it as well. Is but it also comes back to the theory that I've kind of been floating in Heroes of. I'm still having difficulty, except for when we are with. Batman, Flash, or Superman—that any of what we've been shown is um, real—in terms of stuff when characters are doing things Um, because of that ability to use that like Danger Room ability of um, Sanctuary—they've been going back and forth a ton, and I think that's going to be part of the reveal at the end of this. Is we're going to finally find out who whose story we haven't been seeing or whose story was actually real in the middle of all of it. So. I think that's the thing because they did it again of going back and forth with two or three different characters for six Um, and kudos to them for also pulling pretty deep in their catalog of folks that we, we follow. Um, But yeah, so I I still think there's something to be said for the whole mask thing and whether they're facing their fears or not is still going to be a big thing that unfolds in eight and nine as this thing wraps up. And then, well,
1: just, just, help me with just a continuity thing real quick outside of wally and uh roy have we seen any concrete evidence of deaths being confirmed in outside books
0: i'm not sure um off the top of my
1: head no but because i don't all these other people that have passed i have i haven't heard any like mention of them um a lot of like, them are
0: deep cut characters that aren't in current continuity. So that's where they're in continuity, but they don't have their own book. So that's part of it. But I'm trying to think if there's someone they can quote unquote mentioned, but hasn't. But I'm, I'm thinking of like Ivy. Why why
1: haven't we seen a Harley issue dealing with Ivy's loss?
0: Because I, well, part of it is because we know that's coming, but it hasn't been confirmed in context. So maybe there's still time on that one.
1: Okay. I didn't know if that was Because I
0: think. I think number eight in heroes in crisis is going to be where we finally see where we know that she has, she's been killed. So that okay. means in theory, we have a month or two to see if that spills over or not. So I think All that's right. part of it at least, but it's a very valid point is we can do the super deep dive and figure out who who's been mentioned and who hasn't, but otherwise I think you're right.
1: Um, because that could mean what happened at sanctuary isn't as big as what we thought.
0: That's true. And that's, that's why that I'm is, still playing.
1: Could just be wrong. That's right, why
0: I'm still playing with that whole thing, and the fact that it's it played into the price so much, and most of the flash mainline as well. I'm gonna throw out a real crazy idea: that what if the whole thing is in Barry Allen's sanctuary visit, like Inception the Inception? <laughs> because I right because okay. I just kind of had that thought.
1: Wait, wait for it. Keanu. Whoa! Whoa! whoa.
0: Um. <laughs> Because just seeing how the price ended, it kinda took me back for a minute that Barry's the one that is going through a lot of mental anguish right now. So oh. Thank you, Tom King, for keeping us guessing and writing a truly interesting interweaving story. I know a lot of folks are kind of complaining for some reason about this, but I've been thoroughly enjoying it. And so that's what I we've read. And as we've said before, we're trying out this new thing. The folks in the Love Thy Nerd community, every Wednesday on New Comic Book Day, we do a post and we ask folks, what are you guys reading that we're not reading? And for folks that put in, that they get to be mentioned on this super awesome podcast. And for this week, I want to thank uh, Trey Gillen. Um Trey was actually uh, one of my customers at ultimate and he's followed along to join us in the community is a super awesome dude. And I know he's listening. So um, I hope I didn't destroy your last name because I'm terrible with names, Trey. So I, I beg forgiveness now, but Trey has reminded us that the joy of Marvel and all of the star Wars properties are pretty great. And he's right. And there's, because of that, my wallet doesn't allow me to buy all those wonderful star star Wars things. And sure, we ha- I mentioned the Vader book this week, but Trey just reminds us that the mainline Star Wars has been really great. And it's something that I keep meaning to get back to, but I think he's right. I remember reading through most of the first three or four arcs of Star Wars when they relaunched under the Marvel banner. And it's all continuity, so it's all technically important in some way in the Star Wars universe, which I get it. Some Star Wars fans are not happy with that, but that's... That's Star Wars, and that's Marvel, and that's Disney. So thanks, Trey, for reminding us that Star Wars is still super awesome because, well, it is. And so take that opportunity to jump in on an arc or to go all the way back to the beginning and see where Star Wars kind of began since Marvel took back that property. And so, folks, that's Episode 11. It's officially in the can. We hope you've enjoyed getting to hear comic books news and just the download of data that hector had for us to talk this week so from your friendly neighborhood comic geeks here at love thy nerd just don't forget comics are awesome there's so many different stories out there being told and don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast we like to share with more nerds out there and more comic book folks come and join in the community that we have here and in the ability to talk comics and enjoy it with one another and also don't forget that you can actually join in the conversation each and every day. Hector and I, we hang out in the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community and you can too. All you have to do is jump over to that book of faces and type in Love Thy Nerd community and it should pop up. You click join. It's super easy and that's all you got to do. But Hector and I thank each and every one of you for listening each and every week. We've been really blessed to be able to do this and we're excited we got to do interview kevin eastman last time so if you didn't hear that go back and listen to episode 10 it was awesome and we hope to bring you more of that type of content but most importantly kids don't forget this it's super important read more comics read more comics you've been listening to the List podcast with chris poirier and hector Miron, part of the love thy nerd podcast network be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media the game of rhythms. The master of epic duels.